0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com. Presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook.
2: Thanks for listening this morning inside the clubhouse till 11 o'clock. David Hall, Bruce Levine, talking trades, talking Cubs, talking White Sox. We've got all the answers. You've had some good questions. In the first hour, we're going to continue to speculate, continue to look at what's going on both locally and nationally, and that's what brings us to the guest hotline sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino, Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and that's where we find our next guest, Bob Nightingale from USA Today. Good morning, Bob. Yeah, morning, David. Morning, Bruce. Uh, Well, let's start with the big deal uh, across the league last night with the Mariners. Really jumping to the front of the line and coming up with the prospect Hall to attract the Reds and get Luis Castillo, who was the number one starting pitcher out there. I think everyone recognized that, Bob. And now, now it makes you wonder, with Castillo gone, as you tweet out earlier this morning, Frankie Montas of the A's, he's in town. Bruce talked to him last night becomes the Yankees' number one target and probably the number one starting pitcher left overall. How many other teams besides the Yankees and the White Sox are interested in a Frankie Montas?
3: Yeah, you still have the uh, Dodgers very much interested, uh, Toronto Blue Jays and St. Louis Cardinals. So everybody's jumping uh, uh, on that one now. You know, he just came off the injured list, uh, pitched three innings his first time out, five innings uh, their night. So... Uh, people uh, people take the risk on him saying we'll do it. You also got Tyler Maley, of the Cincinnati Reds, but um, yeah, Montas is clearly the, the next big target out there. I think people are surprised by the Mariners. They were in on the uh, Soto sweepstakes because they already have pitching, but it's young and uh, some of these guys are uh, are getting fatigued. So you know they they could jump around and trade one of those stars and get some more help. But yeah, Seattle was a little uh, that was a little bit of a surprise.
4: Great to have you on, Bob, as always. And I know it's a hugely uh, busy time of year. I know you're in New York um, covering uh, those teams and looking toward the deadline. But um, the frustration that I talk to general managers and front office people right now is what David and I talked about coming into this segment, and that is the dearth of starting pitching that's even available, not only at this deadline, Bob, but going into the offseason, I mean, how, how do teams fortify themselves when there's, you know, guys like Quintana and guys like uh, Bard out there and guys like Syndergaard? With no disrespect to them, uh, those are the best names available after you talk about Montas and, and, and Melee.
3: No, you're right. I mean, uh, you know, Syndergaard's going to hit the pre-agent market. You know, maybe this is why uh, Grom has told the whole world, hey, I'm going to uh, opt out of my contract uh, no matter what. So, you know, even though he's been uh, hurt pretty much, you know, for the last year and a half, if he just comes out and pitches a few times and so he's healthy, you know, he may, uh, you know, really really bring in the uh, big money because you're right, Bruce, there's just hardly any, anything out there at all.
2: So, Bob, would you look at the – besides, you know, obviously Montas is, is a target and there's going to be a lot of uh, pitching that is going to be sought. Jose Quintana, I think the Yankees are even looking at him. Probably every starting pitcher. But everybody wants to know uh, about Juan Soto. And, and everyone has. It seems as the list is maybe changes depending on the report about who could be in on Soto. But the Padres seem to be the most consistent team mentioned as being at the top. Are they the front-runner for Juan Soto? And do you think he indeed will be dealt before Tuesday at 5?
3: I think he will be dealt. I, thought I was on the fence before 50-50, and, you know, they don't have to trade them. I mean, uh, they can always say, we don't get what we want. You know, we'll trade him to the winner. I mean, his, uh, his value is not going to decline at all. You know, the only thing is you get them for an uh, extra two months in a, uh, a pennant race. But, yeah, I, I believe the uh, the Padres are the favorites, and, they you know, they've been favored all along just because they have an aggressive GM. Remember, they almost traded for Ramirez uh, from, from Cleveland before the start of the season and had a deal actually done. Ramirez decided to stay put and the, you know sign an extension. So yeah, I mean the Dodgers are right there. You know they could add some uh, star power themselves in St. Louis. The fourth team was Seattle, but I would think now they're they're out. Uh, you know after getting to But those three teams are in it, and I'd, I'd probably give the nod you know with the uh, Padres one, Dodgers two, Cardinals three.
4: What uh, type of traffic do you think the Cubs will have here? Do you expect them to trade Contreras, Hap, Givens, Robertson, um, possibly Wisdom? you expect those four to be gone by uh, Tuesday at 6 o'clock uh, Eastern time?
3: Yeah, I do, Bruce. I, I think, yeah, uh, I think Happ will be gone. I mean, obviously, you could hold on to him. But there's hardly in such a thin market out there you might as well see what you get because all these contenders are uh, scrambling to find help. Uh, I'm not sure the Cubs are going to get what they hope for for Contreras. You're not hearing his name that much out there. You're hearing him with Houston. You're hearing him with the Mets. uh, You're hearing him with San Diego. Uh, So I think a little few teams are leery just about the catching, you know, bringing in a a guy to, you know, meet a new staff and things like that. Obviously he's he's got the bat. But, yeah, we'll see. I mean, last year I think everybody thought the Cubs would get a lot more for for Chris Bryant, and now Marky just wasn't there.
2: Joined by Bob Nightingale from USA Today here and inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, David Hall, Bruce Levine, until 11 o'clock this morning. Bob, I understand the Soto stuff and the interest in a 23-year-old outfielder, and I guess I can understand why the Nationals at this stage of their franchise need to entertain offers. But I have to say – the Shohei Ohtani rumor and the, re- the reality that they're taking offers or listening to offers for him caught me a little bit off guard. I kind of get the, when you look at the contract clock and they can justify it, but we're talking about Shohei Ohtani, the guy who has done things that we haven't seen in baseball since Babe Ruth, and I just wonder, what are the Angels thinking?
3: Well, yeah, I mean, I think the chance uh, of Ohtani being traded now is the same as uh, you, me, and Bruce starting the outflow for the Cubs next year. It, it's just not going to happen. <laughs> but they, you know, they're listening because they don't know what's going to happen this winter. So at least now they can uh, listen and see what teams, uh, what teams are interested, what teams are willing to give up. And I am not you know, not sure what what you give up. But I think they need to find out this winter if he wants to stay or not. Uh, I mean, this this guy makes money for the franchise just in merchandising and licensing and all that. Uh, I think he makes at least $20, $25 million a year for the Angels. So he was only making five and a half right now. So, you know, they'd have to – the Angels trade him. They'd have to give back money to uh, everybody else. So uh, we'll see what happens. You know, in talking to the Angels, uh, you know, front office, setting to a contract extension. I don't even know what it's worth. I mean, what do you give a guy like that? You know, 300, 400, 500. Uh, it's, you know, it's impossible to gauge what what, you, what he's worth.
4: Bob, uh, you know, looking at the White Sox and their 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 lack of solid play, the lack of energy. Now, nobody's had more injuries than they have, but other teams have uh, survived with injuries. Uh, that said... Um, what what do you think is lacking there? You're tied into the White Sox as, as much as anybody in baseball. Um, what do you think is lacking there? And um, did uh, did Tony talking to the players last year about him having to fit in with them, which he did, and they won a division, in 93 games. Th- did that take away the ability of the coaching staff and Tony to be able to change uh, them? Uh, to be a better, uh, more alert base running team, um, uh, a smarter team, a team that plays better defense. What What's your what's your thoughts? What's your information on that?
3: No, I mean, it's a valid point, Bruce. It's almost like when La Russa got there, he wanted to be accepted and welcomed so bad. Right. I think you know, he dialed down his personality. Uh, you know, it really helped that you bought in, you know, and he bought in because of, of pool holes. And now it's like it's almost like you need to turn that switch like it's embarrassing the way they're playing. Uh, you know, you're in the, uh, you know, one of the two worst divisions in, in baseball and not to have a winning record and be losing home games to the and A's just should not happen. So, you know, uh, you need some leadership in that clubhouse, too. I mean, someone needs to be throwing some things around in there and, and just be uh, – just got to it the way they're playing. I mean, even, you know, when they ran into that 8-5 uh, triple play, and it's one of the worst base running things you've ever seen. And you, But you didn't see a, uh, a whole lot of people upset about it. Just like, okay, it happens, and they keep saying, well, it's a long season. Hey, time's starting to run out here.
2: You're right, Bob. That's a great point. And that's why I ask, you know, big picture-wise, it's so much fun in a town, when you have a team that is going for it in World Series or bus mentality at the beginning of the season, that w- those were the stakes, and that was the mentality. But here we are, 100 games in, the White Sox are the definition of mediocrity. So I wonder this, there's still 48 hours or so, uh, more than that, till the trade deadline. If the Sox somehow lose this home series to the A's and they wake up Monday morning, is there a scenario that you could see where the Sox are sellers at the deadline instead of buyers trying to go for it?
3: No, I, I can't see that. You know, unless Jerry Reinsdorf comes out and says I'm selling the franchise on Monday, uh, they're not going to do that on his watch. You know, he's went through the rebuild. Uh, you know, nobody wants to be like your Tigers or Mariners. You know, all these rebuilds all the time. You know, Kansas City. Uh, you know, all those rebuilds don't work. Uh, the White Sox did, but can we hit a wall here? But no, I fully expect him to get a you know one starter out there. Uh, they can they got to kind of cross their fingers that. You know, the starting rotation gets better, in particular with Giolito and and Lynn.
4: Bob, uh, are you a proponent of the trading deadline either being backed up or just kind of just being watered down a little bit? I I don't see with and David and I were talking about this a little bit uh, before you came on as well. I don't see with the expanded playoffs now that the teams like the Giants and uh, and uh, you know teams like. Um, you know, the Cubs and uh, not the Cubs, but the White Sox in a different scenario, uh, don't need that extra time to figure out whether or not they're, they're still a viable team. A week from now, the Giants could be, you know, six or seven games out of the third wild card, and and regret the fact that they they, they hung on to uh, Rodan or they hung on to Jock Peterson when they could have gotten pieces back for the future. Your thoughts on that?
3: Yeah, I mean, the two teams that jump out are the Giants and the Red Sox, who both have a, uh, a lot of nice pieces uh, you know, that, that teams want. And they don't know whether they're in the race or not. I mean, the Red Sox, they say we're not trading Bogarts or Devers, but, you know, could treat uh, Evaldi, J.D. Martinez, and on and on. I think you, talk, you know to uh, some GMs, executives. They'd like to see the trade deadline push back to, say, August 15th because there's no more second deadline there's you know, no you can't clear waivers that toward, that sort of thing that's gone so why not just move it back two weeks uh your point bruce just let teams know whether they're in or out you talk about yeah, what's the, vid- the trading go ahead bruce i'm
4: sorry i'm sorry david is step on you there what, what's the point of a trading deadline period
3: well i think nothing ever happens unless there's a deadline there's, you know some second sort of, you want know, freeze at deadline i mean Look at these trades. Why do we have to wait the last few days before yeah, August 2nd right. for anything to happen? It's like, you know, it's almost like, you know, we're <laughs> working a story or broadcast. It's like you're not going to really get going on it with 30, uh, time. Like, okay, i got to get this
2: done. Bob, you look yeah. at the standings, you talk about teams that are disappointing, and the San Francisco Giants fit that description. They're two games under five hundred as we sit here this morning. And I just wonder, is there a scenario where you see them – conceding or them looking to flip a guy like Carlos Rodon or Jock Peterson, two names that Chicago baseball fans know well and would find very, very interesting if they are available.
3: Yeah, I think they got to uh, take a good hard look at themselves. I mean, they, uh, I think since the month of April, they're uh, we just looked this up 11 or 12 games under 500. So it's been a continuing pattern. I think they got to listen to uh, offers on both those guys and decide, you know, Peterson's on the uh, injury, list, injury list now with a concussion. You know, he's been struggling of late. Uh, you know, and we'll see about Rodon. I mean, obviously, he's got a history of not being great in the second half, struggling down the stretch as far as just getting tired. But still, with so, the uh, starting pitching market so thin, I would think they make out, you know, pretty decent for him. I think that's why the Red Sox will probably trade Nady Evaldi just for that reason as well.
4: Bob, in uh, closing with you and uh, David, and I sure appreciate your time and your friendship all the time. Uh, what do you think the White Sox end up doing uh, by the when the trade line hits on Tuesday?
3: I think to get a starting pitcher. You know, like uh, Quintana is perfect, just someone to you know fill out that back end of rotation. Uh, you know, I think the rotation going into the season looked like it had a chance to be dominant, and hasn't been. You know, remember in spring training. You know they're talking Jaleo. Gilito, Jaleo Gilito, Gilito won a long-term contract extension, but you know just has not you know pitched up to a, like he has in the past. Same with Lynn, but Lynn of course is coming off an injury. So, but I, but I fully expect him to go get a uh, a starting pitcher and maybe one more uh, bullpen piece as well.
2: And last thing, Bob, is there any scenario that you see the Cubs holding on or unable to pull off a trade involving Wilson Contreras, and we have to go through? a few more months after saying all these long goodbyes. Hello again, old friend. (laughs) (laughs) I know I was talking
3: to Anthony Rizzo about that the other day. Like, that'd be a little embarrassing that he's, you know, back at Wrigley Field uh, still with the Cubs. Uh, I can't see it. The only way is if, you know, they don't get any solid offers that's better than a draft choice that they'll get back. So they should do better than that. But remember last year, it kind of came down the last hour with Bryant. They're almost going to hold on to him because they were getting nothing as he anticipated. But I think the story would be different this time. Just, there's not enough position players out there. And, uh, you know, you can catch, you can DH, you can do a number of things. So, you know, I'd, I'd, be, you know, I'd really be surprised, maybe not shocked, if he wasn't training.
2: Thanks so much, Bob. Always generous with your time. Always great with your insight. Really appreciate you joining us this morning. My pleasure.
3: Thanks, David. See you, Bruce.
2: Bob Nightingale. Hey. USA Today's national baseball columnist Bruce. A lot of information there. A lot of uh, uh, interesting thoughts too, as far as you know the dismissing the Otani possibility. I'm glad he did that, and just what the White Sox might end up doing. Good thoughts from Bob.
4: Yeah, I heard a, a national host on MLB Network talking about, "Hey, it'd be great if Otani's traded to the Dodgers." No. Um, no. You know, I'm hearing, and I, I'm going, I'm scratching my head, and I'm going, "Wait a minute." Artie Marino in Los Angeles with the Angels, uh, a marketing uh, expert who made a billion dollars in marketing and sales, uh, is going to trade the number one marketed player in the game of baseball across town right. to the Los Angeles Dodgers? Right. Okay. It, it, that would be that would be the very last team uh, Artie Marino traded him to before he sold the Angels franchise, because that would be that, that would be, you know, the craziest thing that you could ever come up with. Just, a, you know, so you hear a lot of a lot of things said right now that, you know, you just have to take with a grain of salt. The, the reality is there from the, talking to general managers and and other people out there, there are trades to be made, but not a lot of trades that people want to make right now.
2: We're going to get back to this in the final segment, but before we finish this thought in this conversation, Bruce, Bob did say he would be shocked, but maybe not totally surprised if the Cubs do end up holding on to Wilson Contreras last year. He's right in reminding us. It did go down to the wire with Chris Bryant. Do you think there is any possibility with Wilson Contreras and the Cubs kind of, well, having to walk back all these long goodbyes and and, and he could put his stuff back on Instagram and say, hello, everybody, I'm back. Well, there's one thing that
4: just propped up uh, from last week, and that is because there's no uh, international amateur draft, that means that the qualifying offer is back on the table. So if the Cubs hold on to him, they say, okay, we're going to offer Wilson $18 million on the qualifying offer to play next year or – uh, we get a uh, we get a high draft pick uh, in exchange because he doesn't take that, and he signs elsewhere for a three or four year deal as the Astros catcher, the Padres catcher, the Mets catcher, uh, going down the line. So that it that does that did cause a little bit of a change because there is a qualifying offer still in baseball. A lot of people thought there would be an international draft, and the the end result of the international draft was the elimination. Uh, of the qualifying offer. That was tied in hand-in-hand in the in the new uh, CBA that was signed between that, the players a, and the owners. It's
2: a really good little nugget there to keep in mind just in case, just in case things don't go the way most people expect them to go with the Cubs trading Wilson Contreras. Okay, we're going to shift gears a little bit. Time for our favorite segment. Yeah, that is chin music. It's buzzing on the tower and look what somebody said. What did Max Scherzer say? That's going to be very interesting to hear. Stay with us right here inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio
1: 670 The Score. It's time for some chin music.
3: Hey, young. how about a warning? Sure.
1: Watch out you don't get killed. <laughs> Because sometimes in baseball, you've got to send a strong message, especially when someone has it coming. Each Saturday, David and Bruce come in high and tight with a response to something that deserves one, like this. Here, here is what i say pitch calm. It works. Yeah, does it help? Does it help? Yes. But I also uh, think it should be illegal. Uh, I don't think this should be in the game. Um, you know, it's, it, stealing signs is part of the game. Um, for me, I've always taken pride on having a complex system of signs, and you know, having that advantage over other other pitchers. And so, the fact that we're taking this out of the game and we're just putting in, you know, technology to, you know, now everybody there's no you can't have an advantage. You can't steal signs on second. Uh, the pitcher can't have an advantage uh, of having a complex system, or it's part of baseball trying to crack somebody's signs. So. Um, you know, does it have its desired intent? That you know, it cleans up the game a little bit. Yes, but I also feel like it takes away part of the game. Will you continue using it though, since it does exist? Yeah, I don't know. I'll I'll, I'll continue to think about it. Um, I might. I might.
2: That was Max Scherzer, the Mets <laughs> ace, and good for I'm a chuckle. Him. Yeah, Bruce Levine, I, I... David Haw here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. score. This is Chin Music, and I think Max Scherzer put himself uh, in the crosshairs there, Bruce by. Kind of saying that he didn't like it, but he'll use it again. And you know what? It does work, but they doesn't really want it to work. And what was he saying? He kind of she split the difference there, Bruce. He by the way, seven shutout innings against the Yankees. Against the Yankees is uh, what he threw the other night. Everybody loves Max Scherzer. What did you think about what he said, Bruce? Because I think PitchCom is just one of these things that. It represents the reality. You've got to embrace the technology that baseball is introducing.
4: The technology has helped players identify things, get front offices and fans more involved in understanding minutiae of the game. But it has homogenized the game of baseball, and that is what Scherzer is talking about. Uh, we talked about it earlier during the All-Star game. What's the difference between the leagues now? You have the same umpires. You have the same set of rules. Good. Uh, you know, good? Good. Okay. good. Now, now, right. Now you have expansion that is taking uh, baseball toward a hockey-type idea but, of making the playoffs. Bruce, okay? I will not so, have
2: you disparage hockey on this show.
4: I love hockey, but I don't, I don't love the fact that, uh, that making the playoffs is not a big deal. It, it's just not, <laughs> cool. unless it's the Blackhawks this year. But, I mean, from, from the perspective of, of uh, taking personality out of the game, okay, he's talking about sign-stealing being a part of the game. It's been that way for 130 years. David, uh, you know, taking the slides away at second base, from taking a guy out at second base because uh, uh, of what happened at home plate and, and coming up with that rule there. Yeah, we don't want players going head-to-head and taking each other out, but a, a good hard slide at second base is a part of the game. You are homogenizing the game. The okay. next step is the strike zone with no umpire being in charge of that. Good. No conversation. Okay, good, good. for you. Good. Good for you, not I, good for me because I, I, because you're going to hate that strike zone just as much as the umpire strike zone. And guess what, David? You, the fan, will have no one to complain to because it's a machine, okay? You'll have nothing to complain about. You'll, you'll have less passion about the strike zone because you'll go, ah, the machine called it, must be right, sorry. Somehow,
2: I think fans will find something to complain about. There's always going yeah, to be something complain to complain about. Yeah, they'll
4: complain about the machine. They'll kick the side of the machine, okay? <laughs> All right, Bruce, and,
2: Bruce. I love your passion here, but I'm going to come in high and tight. You're talking about two different things. You're talking about two different things. I do bemoan the loss of the competitive nature and going in hard and all this stuff. People are so sensitive, and players are so soft anymore. I mean, we see that when you need to rest guys because they have sore legs. Oh, my gosh, a day game after a night game. Okay, I get it. But I think that's one aspect or the 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 curmudgeons and old guys we can we can talk about what we miss about the way it used to be in terms of the technology though wait i I just want to remind you bruce it wasn't that long ago where all of baseball we were complaining about the travesty that was the houston astros because they found ways to do what max scherzer is saying that they had every right to do i i found it
4: fascinating the whole thing I found it a, that, another fascinating thing yet baseball had to protect themselves against. I understand that. Uh, you, you know, but they've been stealing signs from the scoreboard for 70 years. The White Sox <laughs> were doing it back in the 50s with Paul Richards, and in the followed 80s with the Al versa. Lopez. And we, okay, f- fine. Uh, you know, again, that's just been a part of the game. It's part of the magic and the lore of the game, David The lore of the game is being impacted, it's homogenized version, okay? You're getting 2% baseball instead of the full-blown, full, you know,
2: (laughs) I mean, it's just. You want whole milk baseball. I'm fine with skim. I'm fine with 2%, Bruce. I'm not a whole milk guy. Look, I also think this. I, I think that when you're talking about the stakes increasing, and I'm not just talking about sports gambling, but you have the technology at your disposal to make every outcome more legitimate. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that the aim? So you don't have anything to complain about? So you don't have anything that you it looks yeah, like no it's... No
4: passion. You're right. I agree with you. What <laughs> Nothing to be passionate about. Let's uh, start the season and wait for the playoffs. You're, you're, and, then, no. and then in October, we're going to get excited you're, about it. Look, it's all about marketing. It's all about pandering no, to a, a certain... Not. I'm it, it, passionate it, about
2: it, accuracy, it, okay? It, it, I want the balls and strikes to be accurate. I don't want to have Major League
4: Baseball is pandering to try to get make up for a 10-year period where baseball fans were not interested in the game anymore. Lost total interest, didn't watch the game. Now they're trying now those people are some of the people they're trying to get back as far as advertisers, people who spend their money on things and you know let's let's be honest the whole world is doing that right now uh, you're trying to you're trying to get into the pocket of the Millennials and they they have their pockets sewn sewn up really tight they haven't they have them sewn every day do you want pockets with that sir no thank you just sew them up I, honestly
2: Bruce, there are there's, a lot of millennials with unsewn pockets down here in Chicago, downtown, enjoying Lollapalooza this weekend. They, look, I, so I they're spending millennials, some
4: cash. I, I love millennials because they are they want things explained in multiple ways to them. They want, they want uh, Their loyalty is based on common sense and not on, hey, I'm going to go to work somewhere for 30 years. That's going to be the greatest thing in the world. They're all about, hey, I'm going to the next job that pays me more money because I'm a confident person and I don't have to stay with the company 25 years. That's a lot of BS. So I'm not, I'm a millennial guy. I'm just saying pandering toward them is more difficult process of marketing and major league baseball is doing everything they can to get there.
2: Yeah. They're, they're marketing it in a way it has. It involves marketing, but it also involves improving the game and making it more watchable to market it better. And I think the, the pitch calm the is related to the whole savings. idea with automated strike zones and also the pitch clock, which is coming, Max Scherzer, like it or not. And I like it.
4: Improving the game doesn't mean that it's perfection, okay? You're talking about perfection and improving. Those are two different subjects. You are getting more perfection. I agree with that. You are getting closer to getting it right all the time, okay, 100%. Most people say, hey, getting it right's what it's all about. Okay, to me, a guy slides into second base, he beats the throw, but a the fourth replay shows that his foot popped off the bag an eighth of a quarter of an inch, and therefore he's called out on the third replay. That's not the essence of baseball or sports, okay? To me, that is just... Getting it—that's—that's that's not getting it right. Right. That's taking the color out of the game.
2: Bruce, I'd love the way that you argue this. And I also think the listeners have as well. But here's just a, a cross section of the responses: three, one, two. Bruce is all over the place with this debate. Here's eight four seven. Bruce is a hundred percent correct.
4: <laughs> it takes all I, kinds. I, I know, and, and it's and it's wonderful because that's what our show's all about. Right. That's what I mean. It, it's like I don't. People don't tune on David Hall and Bruce Levine on Saturday to hear two people agreeing on everything. I think they turn on their show for information, entertainment, and the fact that you and I uh, respectfully disagree on many different subjects.
2: We do. It's okay. But let's face it, Bruce, there's also an element out there that listens to us and feels the same way about the two of us as as I do about the umpires. They want maybe robot talk show hosts so we can just go back and forth. The Cubs won last night. 4-2, to two, the White Sox lost again. Trade deadline think, Tuesday, right? Who, There's some people that would miss that. They, they think you know they, would they would? Like us. Who, who do you know like that? I <laughs> get a couple times. You should read the text slide. You should in real okay, time. That, that's your job. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Well, we will continue to debate, maybe argue, but maybe even agree next because our other favorite segment: should he stay or should he go? We're going to apply that to the White Sox. And a name that you may not hear a lot in Chicago, but you may in the years to come. Stay with us inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score.
1: As the MLB trade deadline approaches, both sides of town have some decisions to make. So... Who should stay and who should go?
2: Should I stay or should I go now?
1: With Bruce Levine and David Haw on Inside the
2: Clubhouse, Clubhouse on 670 The Score. Welcome back. Final segment, Bruce Levine, David Haw here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Okay, Bruce, so we do this every week, especially near the trade deadline, which is Tuesday, 5 p.m. Chicago time. And let's zero in. On two guys for the White Sox who have a lot of value, I would think, in terms of trades around the league and teams looking for prospects. And when you saw what the Mariners gave up to get Luis Castillo last night, the one, three, and five, first, third, and fifth-rate prospect in their system, made you wonder if you're a Sox fan. Frankie Montas still out there. You talked to him. We heard that interview earlier. Wilson, uh, Colson Montgomery. Is the highest-rated prospect the White Sox have? He is having a tremendous season in Single A. Jake Berger, to a lesser extent, is also there. He's at Triple A. We've seen what he can do to Major League pitching when healthy. But let's start with Colson Montgomery, Bruce. He's a 19-year-old first-round draft pick. I'm sorry, he's 20. (laughs) He's 20, and he's played it between split time between Kannapolis and Winston Salem after the promotion. He's one of these guys. Had a 50-game on-base streak. He's done everything well. Might be uh, ascending quicker than people expect. Would you include Colson Montgomery in a package for Frankie Montas or a frontline starting pitcher?
4: Uh, yeah, five times yesterday and five times today, five times tomorrow. I would do it. And people will say, "Well, you're an idiot." Well, I'm I'm used to being called uh, that, David. I, I didn't one. say that, Bruce. Not on the air. You do haven't. not. Not but, uh, even off but, the air. But but my my thought is this: you can't get away from what your big picture is, which is to have a team that goes deep into the playoffs and play in a couple World Series. Not just not necessarily just win. I mean, you know, everybody says, "Yeah, we're going to win the World Series." Getting to the World Series is a big big deal. It's been watered down because of the emphasis on winning in all sports and that the second team is a loser. Well, getting to a World Series is monumental when it comes to baseball, okay? The White Sox want to be in the World Series the next two years. The only way for this team to get there is to trade for the best pitcher out there right now, which is Frankie Montas. Okay, You have a shortstop in Tim Anderson for the next controllable couple of years at least. You have a controllable third baseman, in Mancata for the next couple of years, at least. If you want to put burger or you want to put a Montgomery in a trade for a Montas, that's what it's going to take. We can, you and I can talk all day long until we're purple. Okay. About uh, it's not worth it. Well, the White Sox aren't going to get them unless they include those type of people in a trade.
2: All right. I'm not doing this on purpose, but I totally disagree. And I, and I totally disagree based on this. And I'm a little surprised that I do And had we had this conversation two Saturdays ago or four Saturdays ago, I think my answer would be different. Bruce, we're 100 games in. We're 100 games in. And I think they've got to go down fighting, but I don't think it's happening. I don't think this looks like a championship team. This is not a championship season. And if it's not that, then you split the difference here. You go after a frontline starting pitcher, or maybe a professional starting pitcher, Jose Quintana. The price will be cheaper. Oh. You don't have to give up, Bruce, your oh. number one prospect for Frankie Montas. A whole lot of maybe. I don't Montas think you want to do a that.
4: Difference in games with the pitches, Quintana cannot. Okay, that's the difference. Okay, so th- that that's how I'm deciding it. If uh, if it's uh, Bruce Levine, the GM of the White Sox. I'm deciding on who goes to the mound and can make a difference. Okay, Quintana is a, a body that you're throwing out there, hoping to get five. Not minutes.
2: arguing, not arguing with okay. that. But so if I mean, if I'm replacing Bruce Levine, the GM. If I, you're look, look I,
4: David, I see you out there on the horizon, <laughs> and there's a there's a, a you're holding on to a big pole, and there's a white flag that you're waving at me in that distance there. No, I I'm not.
2: I am not I conceding.
4: I'm using common sense,
2: Bruce. I'm, I'm not, not conceding. You're not. You Bruce, are right, Bruce. You listen. are
4: right to the the hundred game mark. You are a hundred percent right. The White Sox have not come up to uh, expectations. They are not the team anybody thought they would be. Are they worthy of the extra sixty games of trying to win and doing everything you can as an organization to win that? My opinion is yes. Your opinion is. I'm more practical. Uh, I'm not giving up the future to try to win the well, World Series. But, but, over but the next it's
2: conditional, years. Bruce, and it's case by case. If we're talking about, if you're talking about a guy of the caliber of Scherzer or Verlander or Otani or Soto, guys who get tra- you know who, who have been traded at the deadline, not available. Well, I know not this year, but I'm saying that everything is conditional. I would never say never to these possibilities. I'm just saying in this context, there's not a Here's- pitcher. There's not a picture. Here's pitch your availability right
4: now. Hold on, Tyler Malley, no. Daniel Bard, I, 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 Jose I, I, Quintana, and you Noah Syndergaard. You want to give up Frankie Montas,
2: Colson Montgomery, who might be a whole lot of special, Bruce. He might be one of those prospects I'm, who turns into one of those players that you regret trading. I'm not not disagreeing. I just think that what is what is your goal? My goal is to salvage something of the season that we have framed. World Series or bust, that isn't going very well. My goal is to position myself so I'm still competitive and the window stays open and I don't gut my my already thin system of minor league prospects that matter. Colson Montgomery matters.
4: They have good young players at the big league level. They're not playing up to their expectations for the most part. They're still tremendously
2: talented young players under contract control. I feel differently about Jake Berger. I like Jake Berger. I like everything about him as well. You can't fall in love with all your prospects. I would be willing to part with him, and he might, be, he might get you Quintana. He might be a melee guy. He might be a, somebody that you have to compromise and it doesn't have to be get rid of your top prospect or don't do anything at all. There's somewhere in the middle room for compromise to get a serviceable, guy who's going to contribute as a veteran who's been through a pennant race before. That's what you need. That's what you lack. That's what I would do.
4: Teams do not have any, not just the White Sox, when it comes to getting starting pitching over the next three days, teams have no leverage. You're either going to give up way too much, which the White Sox would do in this trade, or you're going to sit there and hope for the best. Hope for the best rarely gives you the result that you want at the end of the year. (laughs) Uh, the White Sox still have a lot of talent on this team. It could all of a sudden get healthy and it could start playing better baseball. But um, help from the outside in that bullpen and that rotation
2: is advisable uh, from, from my perspective. I think you've got to know who you are. And I think you've got to be objective about what you're not. And if the White Sox are willing to take a gamble and include their top prospect, we're talking specifically about Montgomery here, in a deal for a pitcher that doesn't automatically remove the doubt about what you're going to be and where you're headed, then I don't think it's worth it because this isn't the season to take that kind of a risk because your fair team enough. is inconsistent and bad and dumb on the bases, by the way. Sure, Steve Stone, fair thank enough, you. But, but,
4: but both you and I, the co-general managers of this team. I fired here, you, Bruce. On the inside. I fired inside. you. I'm, fired. I'm firing you too. You're fired. Because you're too complacent for me, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you're the homogenized general manager i don't want
2: <laughs> i'm the cookie cutter am i the cookie cutter executive you're the, you're did i go to yale guy. or harvard you're, or some ivy league you school are,
4: you are that practical Hold guy on. you you are the guy with the iq 50 points higher than mine that i don't want uh, general managing my team wait let
2: me adjust my pocket protector here bruce I, <laughs> i'm one of these uh ivy league guys no i did not attend an ivy league school but uh I I know what you're saying, and look, it's a good debate, and it's one that I'm sure the White Sox are going back and forth with. Uh, uh, By the same token, Bruce, Oscar Colas, we haven't mentioned him, at double-A, boy, he had a scary incident last night. He got hit in the back of the skull. He he was pulled from the game. Let's hope he's okay. I I talked about him coming up and perhaps helping the White Sox this season if he stays hot because he's been red hot. Would you think he is more likely to help the Sox this year or be traded before Tuesday because teams will ask about Oscar Colas, I'm sure.
4: Yeah, I, I don't think either is going to happen. I, th- okay. I think he'll be a part of the White Sox future. <laughs> I think next year, re- regardless of the result for the White Sox this year, you're going to see a different uh, a different team out there, okay? I think there'll be trades. I think good players will be traded for other good players and teams. Uh, just changing the mix of, uh, of what they've seen right now, okay? Uh, White Sox injuries – have contributed to it, uh, but there seems to be you know, other issues that are being dealt with with the White Sox right now.
2: And the Sox back in action tonight against the A's. I hope that they have a better result because if you lose two in a, way, two in a row to the worst team in the American League, Bruce, that's not a good way to go into the trade deadline but and convince your fans that you're going here, to do something monumental.
4: Here's the good news, but it might not mean anything unless you play better baseball. They play the next 15 in a row of teams that are under 500. Guess what? What you are also up under 500. <laughs> that's teams. what I mean. So
2: you, so, you, you think uh, you're happy about that? The teams right. the Sox are playing are happy that you're coming to town. Right. Oh, right. good. The White Sox are here. Whew. What a relief. Right.
4: The 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 Sox will probably add a left-handed bat and a, a bullpen pitcher or two. Really smart guy who I trust a lot. Just texted me and said left-handed bat. All right. Uh, that's that, great. That's going to be there. Uh, just expect them to fortify the pitching a little bit and uh, and hope that they can beat uh, some of these teams over the next 15 games. And please
2: tell me Johnny Cueto, tonight's starter against Paul Blackburn when the Sox play the A's tonight, he's not going to be dealt. He's going to stay in town for a while.
4: I, I, I wouldn't understand that trade again. If, if someone explained it to me, I still wouldn't understand why you would trade Johnny Cueto.
2: I'll speak slower, slower and, and I,
4: I am a little <laughs> slow on the uptake. I agree with you. Bruce David, this, we have people that think, do. right?
2: Yes, we do. Cesar Perez kept us on the air and going and from going at each other too much. And also Bob Nightingale from USA Today joined us. He was uh, got a lot of insight and good information.
4: People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website, writing Cubs and Socks, 670thescore.com. It's going to be a fascinating time. Keep listening to the score all week for updates on trades and new players coming in, old players going out. Steve Rosenbloom next. David, had a great time arguing with you today. I did
2: too. Cubs pregame tonight, 7.30. Zach, Pat, and Ron out on the West Coast. Bruce, talk to you Monday. Molly and Hoff, 5.30 to 10. We'll be there to talk about the latest and what happened over the weekend. Thanks for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. Trade-a-palooza is over.